Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Amen, amen. Crossroads family, I hope you believe what we're singing. Thank you so much to Anna and the team for leading us today. Those are songs of proclamation to Jesus. Here in the power of Christ I stand. I hope that is true for you today. It's good to be here. It's actually good to be standing. I'm moving a little bit slow this morning. Uh... Pulled my back yesterday, did not pull my back moving heavy boxes for a week, but I lean over to pick up, you know, a piece of paper in the garage and all of a sudden, boom, you know, and the Lord just kind of reminds you, hey, 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 you see, you see there? So uh, it is good to see you. If you are a dad or a, a man in this room and you are an influencer of those that are younger than you, which is all of us men, would you please stand? On this Father's Day, we want to honor you and say to you, whether you have kids of your own or not, you are an influencer of kids. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, How about the youngest dad, before you sit down, if you have been a dad less than two months? If you've been a dad less than two months, remain standing. If you have been longer than two months, you can be seated. All right, I thought I was going to get Craig Yant. How long has it been? Has it been three months? Four, three months. All right, we got a new dad over here, so we are uh, glad, glad for you guys. I know we have some perspective dads, too. So uh, in honor of our dads this morning, uh, not to digress, but I have a dad joke. What's Forrest Gump's password? One Forrest One. Okay, we'll move along, we'll move along, we'll move along. Uh, I want to honor our dad today, it's good to see. If you have your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, while you're turning there, let me echo uh, Heath's thanks and uh, Connie's words about Vacation Bible School. Let me commend you as a church family. Uh, This room was full uh, to capacity this week with over, as you heard, over 100 children in this space. Uh, the majority of which uh, are not plugged in here in our church family. And I know uh, that Kayla is working on some follow-up plans to reach out to them over the next few months. Um, wow, awesome job, church family. And we had a ton of uh, volunteers, a lot of our young people served. And so I am uh, I'm thankful for that. It takes a lot of people uh, to make an investment in the lives of our children. So thank you so much. Hebrews chapter 3. If you remember last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is our high priest. Uh, We can go directly to him in prayer, and we get to Hebrews chapter 3. And again, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Some people think Paul wrote it. Some people have other opinions. We're not really sure. But the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 3. And we'll just start with the first verse this morning. Therefore, okay, let's stop right there. You know me by now. You see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is therefore, therefore? Therefore is therefore because of everything he has said prior to uh, what we're getting ready to read in chapter 1 and chapter 2. 
And we're going to get to verse 7 in just a minute, Jason. Let me read verses 1 through 6 real quick. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, and Moses also was in his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has much more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Then we get to verse 7 and he says, therefore again. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked you, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your father tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and I said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. And as I sworn in my wrath, thou shalt not enter my rest. Take care, brethren. Lest there should be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. Verse 13, but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today. Lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. I think he said that once before. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. For who provoked him when they had heard. Indeed, did not all those who come out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. I want to talk to you this morning about choices. I read a statistic just a few weeks ago that when you go to the Costco, the Sam's Club, the Walmart, the Kroger, the Aldi, wherever you go shopping, that as you're pushing uh, that grocery cart down the aisle, that every three to four seconds you pass 30 to, 30 to 35 items. Now, guys, that makes us, most of us, maybe our wives do the shopping, that makes you want to maybe have a word of prayer before your wife goes to the supermarket. Because all those things are passing by and calling her name. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And trying to decide what to get. Choices, decisions that we have to make. There are a lot of voices in our world. There are a lot of choices that we have to make in our life. And we see in our world a lot of different responses. But we see here in the first five verses, just to point out some things before we get into the meat of our text this morning. We see some things that the writer says to us. And the first one is found in verse 1. He calls us holy Brothers, so I want to encourage you this morning. You may be uh, here at church this morning and think, uh, wow, I'm not much of anything. If you are a child of God, hear me this morning, and you have placed your trust in Jesus because he is our high priest, because of what we read in chapter 1 and chapter 2, God Almighty sees you as holy. Let that sink in. You may say, well, I didn't really live holy this week. I did such and such and such and such. True. It's probably true for most of us. But Jesus sees us as holy because of his sacrifice and because 
He's the king. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us, in light of all of that, in light of the fact that you are now being called holy, consider verse 3, or verse 1 of chapter 3, consider Jesus. Now, this word consider is very important. It's, it's not a passing thought. The word consider means to actually focus, fix, get fixated on this idea. Consider Jesus, the apostle, Christ, the ambassador. That word consider means not to glance at, but to fix our eyes, our attention, in order that we may learn something. Consider that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son. You know, I I will confess to you, I think if I actually considered the way the Bible is talking about here, consider who Jesus is and what he's done for me, that would eliminate probably 99% of my struggles. If I just remembered who Jesus is and what he has done for me, I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't doubt. I wouldn't get stressed out. I wouldn't freak out. If I just considered. And with all that, God loves us so much, He still gives us, and those in our world, He still gives us options to choose. He did not create robots. Somebody I heard just a few months ago I was talking to said, Well, why does God send people to hell? I had to remind them, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. God has made a way through His Son Jesus, the great high priest, through His sacrifice on the cross. God has made a way for every man, woman, boy, and girl that wants to have salvation to receive salvation. The problem is sometimes we do what the writer said last week. We neglect our salvation. And that's for us as believers, and it can be for those who have never received Christ as well. But right now, he is writing, this book is written to those of us who confess Jesus. So we get down to chapter, uh, verse 7 in chapter 3, and he begins to outline for us some options that we have. And the first option that we have, the first choice that we have, if we're going to be in this world, the first choice that we have is we can resist God's will. We can resist God's will. We don't have to follow God. As Anna was praying, we don't have to follow God individually. We don't have to follow God as a church. We can choose to resist God's will. What does resist look like? I was trying to think of an analogy this morning, and he's probably going to beat me up after the service, but I was thinking about my son, Will. And when he was three, Uh, We both were working, Lynette and I were working, trying to make ends meet. He was at a daycare, and all of a sudden, uh, I get a phone call, and it's Lynette. She says, where are you? Can you get over to the daycare over in Spartanburg? Can you run over there? Uh, They tell me he's fallen in the playground. He's he's hurt himself. I can't leave. She was teaching at the school for the deaf and blind, so I jump in my car, and I take off like a crazy man. And I get there, and sure enough, he's... Sliced right at his eyebrow all the way down to the bone, this huge gash in there, and they've got him all bandaged up. And you know, some of you, some of you know, if you've got kids or you have nieces, nephews, influ- you influence kids, you know, a young one like that gets hurt, and as an adult, you just, you're just, your heart's just breaking. So I get him in the car, and we hyperspeed to the emergency room, and Lynette finally meets me there. Long story short, uh, they take him in the back, and we know what's going to have to happen. I mean, we know we've seen this movie before; you've seen it too. Now, he's got to have stitches. Three years old, going to have stitches. 
So we go back in the back and the doctor uh, says to Lynette and I, which one of you is going to hold him down? I'll give you three guesses who, got the, who drew the straw, the short straw, and the first two guesses don't count. You know, you know who got it. Because she said, I'm going to go sit in the lobby, sweetheart, you're up. I did the hard part. I did the hard part when he was born. Now the rest is up to you. No, that's, that's not what she, had, what she did. So sure enough, uh, this was not even to get the stitches. This was just to get the, uh, the numbing stuff through the shot in, in the skin to get the stitches. And so I remember they, I mean, three years old. You guys know three-year-olds are just moving around, flailing about no matter what, whether they're hurt or not. You can't hardly pin them down. It's amazing that a three-year-old is stronger than however old I was then. I got to do the math. I was 30-something, I guess, and I'm uh, trying to hold him down. I, I couldn't hardly do it. And so finally, they're like, that's not going to work. You, you can't physically restrain him. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can. So they got a, a sheet, and they brought a sheet out, and they, I finally got his arms like this, and they wrapped the sheet around him so his arms wouldn't be flailing about. And then I had to physically lay across the top of him while a couple of other doctors were holding his head to be able to... And I'm just like, man, it's taken three people to hold this three-year-old down. That is resisting. That's the picture of resisting. That the writer of Hebrews gives us. He gives us a a story. He goes back all the way to the Old Testament. He quotes Psalm 95 and he talks about how the children of Israel challenged the authority of God. Basically by telling God Almighty, the creator of the world, you don't know best. We know best. We're going to do it our way. You can say whatever you want. And because of that, we know the story. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. They challenged God's authority. The idea of resistance is fighting against. So one of our options can be that we resist God's will. When we resist God's will, it leads to three things. And if you've got your outline that you want to fill out on your bulletin this morning, I'll give the three words to you very quickly there. I'll start with a D. It leads to disobedience. It leads to being directionless. As we see in the Old Testament with them wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, it also leads to being deceived. That's why the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 95 and he says, do not harden your hearts. And we can do that. We can resist God's will. And what happens is we start to harden our hearts. And I was thinking this week in my own life, just being honest, what, what hardens my heart? Well, a lot of things do unbelief, When I'm indifferent, when I'm apathetic, let me let me read those words again, because church church family, this is this is a warning from the writer of Hebrews to Christians about what can happen. You you may think this morning and you may say, and I may say, I'm not resisting God's will in my life in any particular area. But the litmus, t- the litmus test to be able to determine whether or not you are resisting God's will is, are you directionless? Are you kind of wandering? Are you being disobedient in a particular area of your, li- your life? Are you, are you deceived in a particular area of life? If the answer to that question is yes, then you are perhaps in some way resisting God's will in a particular area of your life. And most of the time, especially in the church, corporately, It happens when we become indifferent and we become apathetic. 
And we read in chapters 1 and chapter 2 that that apathy doesn't just happen. It's not like overnight it happens. It's a slow, the writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, don't be careful that you don't drift away. It's a very slow fade how we can slowly. We have to be actively pursuing Christ, our cornerstone. Or else we'll have hardened hearts. I was thinking, riding in this morning on this Father's Day about my dad and how I was a young, you guys have heard this story, I think, before, how I was a young teenager. I think I was probably 13. I was a young teenager of uh, unbelief and indifference and apathy when I had my very nice three-speed brown swin bicycle. Buddy, I was styling. I'm just telling you what. I was the man in my neighborhood because I had the three-speed click, 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 you know, and it would get harder to pedal. And I had that bike, and something happened the week before. The chain kind of came off. It kept coming off. And my dad told me Sunday night, uh, it was summertime, Sunday night, he knew he would be going to work the next day. My sister and I were latchkey kids. We were staying home. And he said to me as he left that Monday morning, do not get on the bicycle. There was no confusion. There was no me wondering. I'm not really sure what he meant. There was no, you know, making up. I just didn't really understand what he said. He was very, very clear. He was articulate. Do not get on the bicycle. Well, what do you think I did? I was a teenager. Did the exact opposite. So as soon as his car went down the driveway, his Valari station wagon went down the street, I gave him about two minutes and I thought, Okay, I'm going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go for a bike ride. I got on the bike. Chain was fine. I got going down Lake Forest Drive over in Pierce Acres on the east side of Spartanburg. And I'm going down that hill. And man, I'm just second gear. Woo! Third gear. I'm just buzzing. And I mean, I'm flying. And all of a sudden, chain went flying off. Went, I mean, it was 50 yards behind me. And I'm down there. And I'm like, we have a problem. That's right. It was more than uh-oh. I was like, I got a problem. So I went back, I picked up the chain, I start pushing the bicycle. I look at the end of the street, and I'm like, no, I, no, that can't be, that can't be. Why would he be coming back home? It's just like, it's just like about 9.30, he should not be coming back home. That's, uh, that's not my dad's car. Sure enough, I see it come down Lake Forest Drive, coming right at me. I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I dart down a side street down Fair Lane. I'm running, I got my bicycle, I'm running. I'm cutting through the yards. I'm throwing the bicycle over the fence. I'm jumping over the fence. I'm running through the next yard. I'm jumping. I finally got to my street, Sunline Place. I'm on Sunline Place, and I'm running. I'm running. I'm thinking, if I can just get it in the garage, lean it up against the wall, get inside. I never was on the bicycle. About that time, here he comes down Sunline. I'm still three houses away from my house, and I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm toast. I'm caught. There's nothing I can do. I can't just blur into the, to the road. He comes pulling up. Rolls the window down. Yes, some of you know what that means. Actually had to roll the window down. Pulls up beside me really slow. What you doing, son? I said, well, I was just kind of bored, Dad. I took the bike out for a walk. <laughs> I'll never forget. My backside will never forget either. I think there's still marks there. The reason I did that, the reason my heart was hardened is because I really did not believe what he said. 
to do or not to do. The reason I disobey God personally, and you do too, so don't get all holier than thou. The reason you and I both disobey God is we really don't believe sometimes what God has already said. The enemy whispers just like he did in the Garden of Eden and says, oh, did God really say that? God really said, no, that's not. And so we blow it off. We blow it off in disbelief or maybe we blow it off in indifference. We think, okay, yeah, God said that, but it really doesn't matter. Because I can ask forgiveness. Or maybe we're apathetic. And so the writer of Hebrews is begging us. I wish, you could, I wish we could actually understand the, 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 the sternness and the emphasis that he is putting on these words as he's quoting again Psalm 95. Don't harden your hearts. He's begging us. You get down to verse 12. It says, take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. What is he trying to say? He's basically trying to say, don't be like the generation that perished in the wilderness. God still was with them. God took care of them. But many of them never got to see the promised land because they did not believe or trust God. The old saying, history is doomed to repeat itself. And we live in a world culturally where that is very much the case, but we can sometimes live in a world church world where that's the case. If we don't remember history, we're doomed to repeat it. And as I think about me and my disobedience to my dad, un- unbelief, is not, unbelief is not the inability to understand. Unbelief is an unwillingness to trust. It's not our intelligence that's involved. It's the will of our flesh that says, No, when God says to do this, or when God says no, we don't care and we do it anyway. And so he says, don't harden your hearts. Well, how do we we overcome this unbelief? How do we not harden our hearts? What are some practical things that we can do? Well, he gives us some, and I I love when the Bible does that. He gives us some with verse 13. So we can either resist God's will or we can embrace God's will. And this is the way we embrace God's will. He says, encourage one another day after day as long as it is called today. How do we overcome unbelief? How do we embrace God's will? The chief way that we as believers embrace God's will is we encourage one another. That's why things like Bible school are important. That's why things like corporate worship are important. That's why things like small groups of Sunday school are important. That is the time where you and I can rub shoulders and rub elbows with people and actually exhort, is the biblical word, encourage each other to live for Jesus. We did that every Friday at Dorman High School, every Friday sixth period, right before we would play the rival team for foot, during football season, we would have what was called a pep rally, and the pep rally was to encourage everybody that, you know what, those Spartan High Vikings might think they can win tonight, but not a chance, it's not going to happen, because we are the Dorman High School Cavaliers, amen? amen, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I knew I could get an amen right there from my fellow Roebucker. That's why this is important. It's so we can encourage each other. And we can love each other. And prep each other up. Life is difficult. Life is hard. God has given us this incredible gift of encouragement that we can encourage one another. We can exhort one another. It shows our responsibility. The writer of Hebrews is showing our responsibility to both give 
encouragement and exhortation and also to receive encouragement and exhortation. The reason many people stumble in their Christian faith is because they're not here to receive the encouragement to keep going. And I've shared this statistic with you before, but it bears repeating as we think about what encouragement means. A recent study in the United States found that 78% of the general public and 70% of church people believe you can be a good Christian and not go to church. How in the world are you going to encourage somebody if you're not in the fellowship of believers to do it? How in the world are you going to receive encouragement if you're not in the fellowship of believers to do it? You're not. You're going to try to be a lone ranger Christian, which is unbiblical. And you're going to crash and burn and you're going to wonder why. And it's because you are missing, not you because you're here. You out there are missing the encouragement that comes when we're together. So that first blank there on your outlining, enjoy community. When you embrace God's will, you get to enjoy community. He says, lest any of you become hardened. And as a believer, we have to be vigilant against hardness of heart. I am so grateful that God has sent to us for these weeks our friend Anna to lead us in worship. And I heard her praying this morning with the worship team before they started to lead us today. And one of the things that she prayed was that we would guard our hearts and if there was any sin in our heart, that we would ask God to forgive us of that sin and cleanse us of that sin so that we could be able to worship freely and have the right kind of fellowship that Jesus wants. And that's another reason for the power of community. That's another reason for us to encourage each other so we don't sin. So that when we see a brother or sister leading in a pathway that's not going to be fruitful for them, we can say, hey, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. And can I just tell you, that's lost pretty much in modern church because we don't want to offend somebody. Let me just say, that's not the way the Bible instructs us as believers. We're supposed to do it in love. We're not supposed to call out people publicly, necessarily. But we're supposed to encourage people and love people. And that's part of enjoying community. What a gift. What a gift God has given us in community. But the other thing that he means there by not hardening our hearts, when we have hardened hearts, it leads to disobedience. My grandfather, I was thinking about him too on this Father's Day. He's with the Lord. I was thinking that uh, when I grew up, oftentimes we would go down to the big metropolis of Calpin, South Carolina. And uh, he was not a farmer, but one of the things that he did was he raised azaleas, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of azaleas. He had a little greenhouse he had made, and he would break off little sprouts, and he would plant these azaleas, and, and he had all the fertilizer, manure, yeah, and all that. And I remembered part of my chores in the summertime was sometimes I would go down there and help him, and sometimes out in the heat I'd be shoveling. And those of you who have done any kind of shoveling in the heat, you know after a couple hours you'd look, at your, you'd look at your fingers and your hand right there and you'd start to see little hard calluses start to form. That is the very analogy that the writer of Hebrews is saying is when you harden your heart, you start to get calluses on your heart. And then God's voice starts to get seemingly quieter and quieter and quieter until you can't hear it. And it's not that God's not speaking. God is speaking. It's just that our hearts have gotten a little bit harder. 
And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us through the power of community and through encouragement, we can not only enjoy community, but we can live cleanly. We can live cleanly. He talked about how the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, were deceived. How do, how do we know that we're deceived? We don't know that we're deceived unless somebody helps us realize that we're deceived. It's interesting about magicians. The way magicians deceive people is they have people looking over here while they're switching things up over here. And the enemy is very good at that. He can have us looking in one direction while he's manipulating things in another area. So living in community, being encouraged, helps us see more clearly. It's our proper response to the Lord. So this morning, just a couple of questions as we wrap up that I asked myself this week. How am I doing at encouraging other people? Church family, you, you, you may dart in here on a Sunday morning and sit down and enjoy the worship, and I'm glad that you do, and the music and the preaching, and then you may slip out. There are some people in here that need encouragement from you. Equally, there are some people in here who need encouragement. Are you encouraging? Are you, are you or have I, I wrote this for me, have I taken advantage of the community of faith that I'm a part of? Is my heart become hardened? Am I being deceived? If so, Lord, where am I being deceived? This morning I encourage you to honestly ask the Lord those questions. See what he says to you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for this church family that is a place where encouragement lives. And how we desperately need it. God, I thank you for the encouragement that we saw this past week in the lives of so many children in this place. Lord, I pray this morning as we think about our relationship with you. How are we doing, Lord, when it comes to encouraging? There is a world of people that need hope, they need love, they need encouragement. Lord, I know the prayer of my heart and many in this room is, would you send those people to Crossroads so that we could share the love of Jesus? We could love on them, we could encourage them. Lord, thank you that we can receive encouragement in this place. Church family, while you're praying this morning, I don't know how God has spoken to you through the word today. Do you just ask him, say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Maybe he's put your finger on some area of your life where you need to do business with him. You can do that right there in your seat or in just a minute. My friend Heath and Stephen will be here with me at the front. We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you'd like to grab a friend or family member. Come to the front, these altars, these steps, and just kneel and pray. You feel free to do that. Maybe you're visiting today and you say, well, I, I really want to, I need encouragement. I need a place of encouragement. I want to put my roots down at this place, this church called Crossroads. We'd love to have you as a part of our fellowship today. If that's the decision of your heart, in just a minute... Anna and our musicians are going to lead us in an 
invitation, a closing song. And when that song starts, you just feel free to slip out of that row and come up here and grab our hands and say, hey, here's what God said to me today. Here's how God's speaking to me today. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. We give it to you. Pray that you'd be honored and we would be obedient. Please don't allow us to harden our hearts. Help us to embrace your will. Because your will is always good. You always have our best interest and your glory in mind. So I pray that you would help us to obey you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Anna's going to lead us in a closing song, Invitation Hymn. And as you sing, you do what the Lord's led you to do today. We'll be here waiting for you this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.